Ryan, how was having you had COVID? I, that's that's a HIPAA violation, but you had COVID. I know it sucked. I hated everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated both having it. I hated the disruption of it. I my kid missed a whole week of school. Did not get it. Uh, yet you know, weirdly kept having like little bit of symptoms that like made made us keep having to keep them home and test them a million times and two PCRs and never got it missed a whole week of school so while recovering I had to work had my son home with me not being sick <laughs> would have been rather he was sick and on the couch and right. mobilized instead he was 100 <laughs> percent fully operational driving me crazy as I'm working and feeling like shit and and yeah it was terrible yeah. I still like now I, I think maybe it's just a little bit allergies, but like it just doesn't seem to want to go away. Like the cough. Um, <clears throat> yeah, terrible. So you're saying it wasn't fake news? No, it was not. It was horrible. I really did not appreciate it one bit. I don't appreciate the cavalierness with which everyone is living their lives, and we clearly have no solution. And even the, the smart, you know, the Scott Gottlieb's of the world, the guys who are smart, who are like giving us all the great advice, who have helped nothing and no one. Um, well, I should, I feel like my mic cut off because the CDC knew I was about to get into dangerous territory. <laughs> For a minute, no doubt listening to our podcast, I'm probably about to be canceled. Uh, um, he's after yeah. <laughs> He's new. They could see where this was going and they cut my microphone. They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he's exposing it i'm not what i'm really gonna say this is really ridiculous and outrageously unfair what i'm about to say but i one i'm gonna caveat this with the vaccines are great and they work and they're safe and everybody should gotten them and everybody should have gotten their boosters and they should get the next booster when they tell you get a booster and they should just shut up and get them and keep getting them and everything would be better if that happened and Everyone should do that. And I'm going to get my kids a booster because that just got approved and I'm getting the vaccines. I will I get it. Whatever. I'm getting them. Whenever they tell me to put one in, I'm sticking it in my arm. Fine. But I'm done using the term miracle to describe them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is unfair. I understand that these vaccines were made in a very short amount of time and lots of brilliant science went into it and they work and it's great. A miracle, Scott. Would be if you stuck it in my arm and it's over. That's right. a miracle. That's what we all want. That's the reason that there are so many people not taking it. If you stuck it in your arm and you didn't get it and it was over for you and you didn't have to worry about it, everybody would get it. Like you stick it in and you get it and you get it just as bad as you would have gotten it if you never took it and it feels a little like, well, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> so uh, they're great, and I know the and I know if you if 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 it had been left to me to develop the vaccine when COVID hit, they came as Brian. We need a vaccine. Oh, I would. I right, and I wouldn't know what first thing to do. I wouldn't even know who to call. I wouldn't have step one. Nothing. I would have nothing. I would have no <laughs> no instruments, no abilities to help solve that problem at all. I understand. There's people who are really smart who have studied and. 
it's really hard and it's amazing. A miracle it is not, okay? There's a reason why Jonas Salk, you know his name, because right. they gave a polio vaccine, polio ended. Right. No more polio. <laughs> right. This bullshit where I take it and then, you know, I take it. Oh, so now I can't get it, right? Well, well no, like, you can you can get it. It's a, You're less likely, but, you, you know, you can definitely get it. Well, all right, but I won't go to the hospital. Like, well, you definitely almost certainly... you. You still might go to the hospital, but you probably won't. You most all right. Well, I won't die. Well, like no. Nah, well, you almost certainly won't die, but like you might die. Well, so then, like, should I? I'm safe though. Well, it's up to you and your personal risk tolerance, and you should be checking the <laughs> local conditions and working with your local guy. You know, it's just like no. I'm downgrading it from miracle to you know. Good accomplishment. Well done. You did a right. good jo- thing. It's a good thing. Everybody should do it. I'm not suggesting for one second that everybody shouldn't have been vaccinated by now, but I am downgrading it from miracle to job well done. To, to good job. And I'm sick of all these people telling me it, that's a miracle. It's not a miracle. Okay. <laughs> I know what a miracle is. So, a couple things here. One, when you say if you had been put in charge, you wouldn't even know how to start. Who to call? Nothing. Right. right. Nothing. And yeah. totally agree. Who to call? That's like such a funny way to put it. Who, who do I call? I don't <laughs> even know who ask. to ask. Right. Do you think that was part of the problem with Trump? Was that like a normal president would have been like, all right, we'll just call this person. But as Trump, he's like, I don't even know who to call. Just forget right. it. Like, right. But that's, he had the benefit of like the people. They're like right there. They're like, you, no, could just you go, should like, call this guy. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. been studying it his whole life. His name is Fauci. He's a genius. <laughs> Knows everything there is to know. And then, do you think that we would have ever needed to call it a miracle if people had not, for the first time in their lives, suddenly decided, I'm not taking vaccines anymore? Yeah. I've had them. I've had vaccines my entire life. Basically, all of us in in Gen X and younger, every single person got had to give their public school a vaccination record no one was pushing back against vaccines and now all of a sudden this is where the the line has been drawn i do think that that had something to do with the idea of the miracle no and but i do feel like that they're selling it and I think it has a little bit to do with i'm not defending anybody who's not vaccinated i think it is indefensible but if you took these shots and you could not get, you almost certainly, like, let's say your chances of death were the same as, like, it did for your chances of death, you know, for catching it at all. Like, it, you know, now you're 95%, whatever, you know, everybody would have taken it. Like, right. you would have, you would have the uptake in the 80s, 90s percents, you know, like, but this thing now where it's like, well, you take it. Yeah, you can still get it you can still get really sick, you know, <laughs> like it's, you know, and so then that then these guys are telling you it's a miracle and there's something antenna going off. I think for some people of like, you know, they're selling so me something. It doesn't feel like something. a miracle. It doesn't yeah. feel like a miracle. Right. I'm being sold something, a product, you know, we're all conditioned as Americans to, to feel like we're getting screwed somehow or taken advantage of. Again, this is not a defense of anybody who's unvaccinated. It's an indefensible position. And I will get, 
I'm already, I'm looking to get another shot. I want to, you know, like, yeah, I'll when get do we, when do we get to get another? I think not, it won't be that long. Like it's over fifties. I think are already can get another booster. I know kids now can get a booster. So I think the fourth shot is definitely coming. Um, that's good. I got irritated today. I got an email from our mayor. Um, not me personally, obviously, but you know, city employees that, you know, we're now encouraged to wear masks again. Right. No. Like, no. <laughs> mandate it. If, right. if if they're necessary, mandate them. But and the reason we're not doing that is not because it's not necessary, not because it's not beneficial. But just because there's no courage, because they know people don't like it and people don't want it. And that was the problem with lifting it in the first place is that right. going back is going to be so difficult. So why don't you have the courage to mandate it? Right. And they should be on in the schools right now. It's going crazy. I mean, I don't understand. I still don't understand the idea of why school. And I know there's data that backs it up that the schools in the start did not lead to spread. I still don't get it, though. Everything else spreads like wildfire in schools. Why would this, where the conditions are so ripe, somehow be immune? I guess because school-age children don't get it that much, I guess. Because, I mean, I will say my kids, neither of them got it. They were living in this apartment. Both of us had it. Uh, My wife got it. So I I guess that's what it's got to be. But I still don't get it. Brian, why did the libs concoct this strategy to keep our kids out of school for a year? Why didn't they just why right. didn't they just look at the data before we had the data? Because then they think would have about, seen. Think about that, that theory on. that this was like to stick it to Trump when now <laughs> it keeps going and it is ruining the Biden administration, ruining it, leading to all these inflation problems. Yeah. He can't he can't get past it. He can't get over it. Like it's killing him right now you know like what's happening in china is killing him because they're you know prioritizing life and (laughs) (laughs) foolishly they should follow our lead just let everybody die right or (laughs) just i just don't understand they're like yeah well it didn't spread in, in in schools we saw that data well that data had to be collected first like we didn't know before we knew right 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 it's I, I don't know. I totally agree with you on the mask thing, though. Right? No, which is it? Should I wear? Do we have to wear them? Because it only works if everybody does it. That's the right. problem with it. Like, and if if you're not going to mandate it and you're just merely suggesting it, it's not important. Right. Right. Like, we don't have like red light doesn't mean like you could stop if you wanted to. <laughs> right. Like. Right. So right. if you're not saying it's a rule, then you're full of shit. Right. And the only reason you don't want to do it is because you're like your brand is like, you know, practical and you're not, you know, you're not trying to be like Bill de Blasio and, you know, make some kind of big proclamation like, you know, you're pro business and keep things open and whatever. Like, but which is it, man? Like, is it necessary or not? Right. Yeah. Right. Suggestion. How about you suggest I pay taxes? How about you suggest? (laughs) Right. Right. You know ridiculous like if it's meaningful to the government it's becomes a rule a law a policy right also it shouldn't be that big a deal it's going to wane again it's going to come back down but we're in a spike what is so wrong with being like hey we're in another one of these really big periods like in public buildings 
Well, where, I, where right. public school children will wear masks for the next three weeks, and then we'll get rid of them again. What's the big yeah. deal? And then school will be over anyway, so who cares? You're in full control of your kids. Right, but there's a month to go. Right, like there's a month to go. Cases are spiking. We're gonna we're gonna put masks on again, and then guess what? The cases are gonna come down again, and we'll take them off. Also, I just <sighs> haven't heard all these people who who suspected that the pl- the plan all along was masks forever, no school ever again. The, par- the party that's trying to keep public schools alive and funded want to somehow end schools. Right. And they want to keep masks on people forever. But New York City, one of the bluest cities in the world, one of the biggest cities in the world, dropped their mask mandate. I didn't hear those, when is it ever going to end people, come out and say, oh, you know what? It ended. So I was wrong. Right, when right. That this would never end, that this was just an excuse to make this last forever, which is what people would say if you tried to bring it back. Right. Again, not acknowledge that we had it and then we got rid of it when it made sense to get rid of it. Anyway, all I know is it sucked ass and I hated it every second of it and it made yeah. me feel terrible. And Well, I'm glad you're okay. I I feel like I didn't, I feel a little bad I didn't check on you more, but I too had a had an extended not long COVID because I know that's a different thing entirely. But I too had an extended bout of COVID. Yeah. And like, what can you do? It just you feel like shit for two weeks and. Yeah, and I was busy at work too, you know, and like you're just trying to just like not be a pussy, but you feel terrible, and you're right. Like, I want to go lie down. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to do any of this. Yeah, I can't concentrate on this foolishness. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Yeah. Well. We're happy to have you back, Brian. Right. I'm happy to be back. I'm glad we're doing this. And not only are you back, golf is back, Brian. Right. We've got the PGA Championship scheduled for this weekend in Oklahoma at Southern Hills, I believe is, is the name of the course, correct? Yes. A very exciting PGA Championship. Tiger's going to play. Yeah. Tiger Phil Mickelson will... is not present because of mysterious circumstances so is it is phil's absence is it more about this book that's coming out about him or the saudi thing or all of the above or what's going on here no it's definitely one about this book it's a lot about this book coming out because it i just bought it today it popped today it's coming tomorrow i can't wait to read this book but this idea like anybody who is putting any stock in the idea that Phil Mickelson has been canceled because of a couple of rogue comments about the Saudis is so ridiculous. Phil Mickelson <laughs> has left public life because there is some shit about to fall on Phil Mickelson's head. And he doesn't want to be at the PGA Championship this week answering questions about this book that's about to come out and about potentially other damning revelations that are about to come out like there's something going on in phil mickelson's life right now that he would prefer to not be in public (laughs) do you really think that because he said a couple of loose comments about the saudis that like they wouldn't welcome him back with open arms this week that cbs would what hold his feet to the fire or that there would be people in that crowd giving him a hard time like he has not been canceled and he canceled himself because one, this book reveals that he was in major, he had major gambling losses, up to like $40 million. Um, you know, there was that whole uh, insider trading incident where he was forced to pay back a bunch of money and like barely avoided prison. Um, and apparently the guy who he was involved in is in prison. 
And that relationship may be more damaging, more, you know, damning than was previously understood. And this Saudi thing is Phil needing money. Um, and, you know, like there's there's more than meets the eye here, I, I really believe. So Phil has a massive gambling problem, I guess. Massive. Lost 40 yeah. million in gambling losses, according to this book. Didn't like, didn't his, wasn't his caddy, that guy Bones, and they, they, Bones left Phil because he had a gambling debt? Yes, he owed him money, apparently. That's crazy. That's crazy. Phil Mickelson makes like, you know, 80, 90 million a year. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gambling? <laughs> you can't pay your caddy? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what are you doing? This Saudi thing, too, just gets shadier and shadier the more I, I learn about it. Like, it's pretty crazy. First of all, I do feel like everybody – we all need to acknowledge that it's a bit of a red flag that they have all these really old golfers. It is like every – all the biggest losers in the history of the game of golf are currently <laughs> – there's like Sergio, Lee Westwood, who is – I do not use the word choker – about any athlete is <laughs> just to make it to that level. You have to be enormously, enormous mental toughness. But Lee Westwood is my lone exception, who is the biggest choking dog in the history of sports. <laughs> there is no weaker player down the stretch of a major championship than Lee Westwood. He is like for him and that he's going to go at the end of his career for like easy paydays on this baloney tour is like too much to really to really handle it's like so per so on the nose it's ridiculous well greg norman too he's he right got, he got some trouble too greg norman who always you know it's no shock is looking I, I with greg it's like some weird personal vendetta that he he want you know i don't know he always want had this idea that the pga tour was and look i i'm not like the PJ tour is an institution who knows, like maybe they do. I don't really see how this is a bad deal. I guess like for the players, I can understand where they, you know, I don't think they have a union or I, I could understand them wanting to flex their muscles about how the PGA tour spends its money a little bit more. Like, you know, they are the product. Like they are the PGA tour. Like who cares? Like Jay Monahan is just a guy. Like I can totally, under appreciate that um and if they don't feel they're getting enough of the sl a slice of the money you know that's totally fine um but it is weird that it's all it is all the biggest choke artists <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i get it too like I, I just don't understand why and i think it's because these guys are either chokers or way past their prime or whatever but so you know change the pga like flex your muscles and change the way of business like look at the nba you know and e even with the nfl you thought well the nfl can't be like the nba it's not going to happen player movement is starting these quarterbacks are, are starting to hold these teams hostage you know there's player empowerment going on in a lot of these sports like flex your muscle with the pga just this idea that you're going to the saudi league which again the more i learn about it it feels like it really feels like some of you know, the more I hear about it, the more some of these guys are actually becoming property of the Saudis. Like they have to appear at these events whenever they're called upon to do so. And 
you know, they have to like give clinics over there. Like definitely Greg Norman is going to find himself as the personal instructor of like the crown nephew of the Saudi kingdom. You know know what I mean? Yeah. This does not sound. And they're all saying like, apparently there's no TV deal for this Saudi league. Right. But yet the reasoning is that these guys want to grow the game of golf. Right. You know, I'm a cynical guy and I'm I'm trying to work on that. I just feel like it's not their motivation. I don't know right. they're trying to grow the game. <laughs> right. I don't think that's true. Right. Right. I know I don't get why you would why you would go with the approach of being so hostile to the PGA Tour or maybe they feel that that's what, what how they've been met with the PGA Tour that they were trying to put on, you know, give players another avenue to make money and play and like there just feels like there was a way for this to work within the structure, you know what I mean? Like yeah. giving uh, guys an opportunity to do other events. I don't know. Maybe there's no way where, the, where it's not an existential threat to the PGA Tour. Um, and maybe Greg Norman, as he was an Australian and a, number one in the world, and, and him having to be beholden to an American tour rubbed him the wrong way. Maybe that was, and he's been wanting to create an international version of the PGA Tour, you know, that, that, that didn't force that on him. I don't know. And he chose the international hub of Saudi uh, Right. Whether you couldn't find, if you can't find a better financier, like, you know, and if you can't secure TV rights, maybe you don't have anything and you should right. keep, keep working, keep plugging that way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> also this idea of Phil Mickelson getting canceled. I mean, I, you know, again, I feel like my, Twitter feed skews pretty far left. I didn't see one person upset that when Phil Mickelson originally said he was going to play, I didn't see anybody upset about that. I didn't see anybody like we shouldn't let him play. You know, this is bullshit. How could Phil Mickelson? I saw none of that. No one seemed upset when he said he was going to be there. So how did he get canceled? No, that's unbelievable. And to me, it's like spin on his part to just go away for a little while. Like no one said, no one was demanding he not, they were critic. He got criticized for the remarks, but there was no, like, he can't be part of public life anymore. Right. Like he knows there is some shit about to like, you know, I don't, I mean, whatever, this is just complete speculation, but you know, like maybe he doesn't want to be giving interviews because you know, he's going to be in some legal jeopardy in the near future. I don't know, but it just seems like there's, you know, he's, this is a drastic step he's taking. Like things are going on in in Phil Mickelson's life right now that there's a book coming out alleging 40 million in gambling losses, you know, that he had to like (laughs) sell his plane because he was covering gambling debts. Like he, I don't know, like he's dealing with some stuff. Yeah. Well, Hopefully we get some answers on that. I know. It's yeah. a nice backdrop. Tiger's back, getting to just bask in the glow. It's like right. suddenly Everybody he's him. right. Suddenly he's not so bad. Like he's never committed any felonies. Also, like Phil, you can't show up to this tournament. Actually, that he has, but Tiger. Well, right. Tiger apologized to us directly for right. cheating on his wife. Right. True. Right. But Phil, you can't just show up and play some golf, pal. <laughs> face the music right take your medicine phil right right take your medicine all right so let's talk about some of the guys that are going to be at the tournament this weekend brian 
Who are you backing with your heart and spirit and with your wallet? Well, of course, I'd like to see Tiger play well, obviously, and yes. signal that he has turned some kind of corner here where maybe physically he, he's rounding back into form. Um, my bets, uh, I have uh, wagered on Tiger as per custom. <laughs> I have Justin Thomas, uh, Tony Finau, which I'm regretting a little bit because he's okay. not playing particularly well. And is another one of these really not clutch performers. Um, and Max Homa is my other. Um, oh, who won? I gotta say, I'm a little surprised you're in on Max Homa. I thought you would have been like a little too cool for school when it comes to Max Homa. I'm not suggest. I don't know that I'm a huge fan of Max Homa. I don't have anything. I don't have a strong opinion on Max Homa. Um, but. The odds are, you know, he won two weeks ago, which actually probably makes him less likely to win the PGA Championship. Um, but he just, the odds, you know, you, you put 20 bucks in and you can win like 1600 for right on Max Homa. Um, and he's a good player and he's playing well. So that was the thinking there. So he's hot. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and I, I noticed on your list you had... Uh, Justin Thomas from, you know, some of the coverage I've sort of listened to and followed to get myself ready to place a few wagers for this coming weekend. It felt like the the two like buzzy names were Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. Right. And I think it's interesting you went the Justin Thomas route because I went the Jordan Spieth route. Okay. I think Justin Thomas is the better player. Um, I think Jordan Spieth has been a better player in majors for some reason i don't really understand justin thomas's and i guess he acknowledged it that he doesn't play very well that he's underachieved in the majors which is like no doubt and he's won one but he hasn't been a factor in that many which is just surprising because every other week he's in it mm-hmm. um but i just feel like he's playing really well and he's just awesome like he's a great player jordan spieth is playing good um yeah yeah he's just like i don't know man he he's become so erratic like he's just you don't know what you're gonna get from jordan spieth um his putting seems to have failed him you know sometimes he's wild with the off the tee but you know it's been a while since he's won something and he's playing well so that's not a bad pick okay so i went spieth I went uh, to me. So I was listening to uh, something where they were saying that some of Southern Hills redesign has sort of made uh, the greens resemble Augusta. So Augusta might be a pretty decent tell as to somehow these guys would play. Okay. So then it just seemed to me like a no brainer. Like, am I not going to bet anything on Scotty Scheffler? Yeah. Because I didn't do that in the masters and it (laughs) felt like an idiot. Right. Right. You know? So I just like I know it's chalk, but gosh, if if there's even a chance this place is gonna play like Augusta, and he looks so good, yeah. There and the weather could be tricky this weekend. There's gonna be some wet days. There's gonna be some hot days. So I just felt like the chalk pick made the most sense. Um, I knew I know when we did our Masters coverage, uh, I threw in with Colin Morikawa. Still love Colin Morikawa. I believe we discussed how our friend Ed took a little of the shine off of him uh, for me. 
And I just find, I found that as I was looking at the odds and the players and, and considering some things. And, and again, this was, I was sort of doing this when that Augusta nugget was still fresh in my mind. I found myself gravitating towards another Japanese player, Hideki Matsuyama. I was going to say that that one makes some sense because you have the Augusta, yep. you know, and he and played well and despite being hurt, even at the yeah. last masters. Yeah. Yeah. He's very good. That's yeah. a good one. So I've thrown in, I've thrown my lot in with, uh, Spieth, Matsuyama. And I, I, I put a little, uh, sprinkle on Max Homa. Okay. As my winners. Those are my, those are my three big bets. I have a top five finish for Morikawa because I'm not going to abandon him completely. And I got a top 10 finish for Tiger. Because at this point, if you're, look, if you're, if you're following golf at all, and if you're betting on golf at all, you got to ask yourself, do I want to be left out of the fun of a Tiger Sunday? If Tiger is in any way in the mix on Sunday, do I just want to be the only person on the internet not involved in that? The answer is right. no. Who doesn't want to not be involved in that? <laughs> right. That's true. And a top 10 would be still a remarkable achievement. Um, right. Yeah. And it's pretty unlikely. Although, I don't know. What do we, what, do you, what kind of odds do you get for him finishing in the top 10? That's a good question. What did I get for him? Yeah. Uh, let me look at that. Um, but I agree with you. I bet on him every time just because it's like I'm not going to sit there and have placed bets on other golfers and watch him win. And not yeah not be part of it not win anything right i got plus 600 on tiger in the top 10 okay yeah um no absolutely and and actually i heard somebody use that logic for why it was worth betting on on brooks kepka this weekend and i thought to myself incorrect i want to be fading brooks kepka i want if he's making a run on Sunday, I don't want to be in on it. I want to be the spoiler of it. I want right. to be rooting against the people that are rooting for him. I agree. I want to be out on that. I want to be rooting right. for the collapse. And exactly. The- <laughs> right. Right. I don't want to be part of that. It's funny, too, because I don't know, because I'm surprised you bet Max Homa because he's kind of this internet darling and, and whatever. Uh, and I, for whatever reason, I think the Max Homa love is fun. And I don't like the Brooks Kepka love. I don't like Brooks Kepka at all. He's maybe my <laughs> least favorite athlete alive. I don't even know why. I just he rubs me the wrong way. Another fun bet that I, I a lot of people were recommending around the Masters that I don't know if you did this, but I feel like this is right up your alley too because this is like this is such a tasty like parlaying Tiger to make the cut and uh, um, what's his name Bryson DeChambeau to miss the cut. Oh. That parlay gives you like fairly decent odds. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, it's just win, win. Yeah. That'd be a great one. Yeah. That's yeah. a fun one. That's a fun bet. I won some money on that for the masters. That was nice. Yeah. That's a good yeah. bet. A nice little pickup. Yeah. So that, I guess cool. I like want my thing with Brooks Kepka. I just like, <laughs> I used to not like Jordan Spieth and now I do like him. And <laughs> I do feel like anytime, like there will come a day when there will be a tiger a player who is actually as good as Tiger, you know, who is yeah. as him. It will happen. But whenever I feel that it's being discussed in a way, it, when we're way, it has not, we're not even close to it yet. There's no guy that exists that we have seen who is even close. 
So whenever, and like there was when Jordan Spieth, he was really hot. He was 21. You know, he won like four majors before he was like 23. But you could tell. I was like, this guy, no, this is not Tiger Woods. This guy's not going to win 20 majors. He's just, it bothered me. Yeah. And then Brooks Kepka, he had his little run. He won four or seven majors. And it was like, oh, he, he doesn't get this respect. He's actually, you know, he's this dominant player. I was like, no, he's not. Right. Um, and then him, he kind of carries himself that way with this chip on his shoulders. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, you do find that in everything, right? Like, cause you already get, like you were already starting to get leading into that Super Bowl, the Bucks chief Super Bowl. Like, is this the passing of the torch from Brady to Mahomes? It's like, as good as Mahomes is as awesome as he looks, he's so far away from anything remotely close to a career like Brady's. It's silly. Right. But I mean, at least with that, it's like the player, you know, like I can, you can understand why you would make that, have that conversation. Right. Right. The physical tools that he has, like he's maybe more talented than Tom Brady, you know, like, um, so where me, it's just like the game, I'm like, the game is just not even close, you know, like if people, it's like, what are you talking about? Like the level of dominance, um, like even Scheffler, this season he's having is like historic. This would be like he's having what would be like the sixth best season of Tiger's career. You know what I mean? Like right. it would be like, right? You know, it's not. In, it might be. It maybe it would be in his top five, but I don't th- like. He'd have to win like three more times and maybe add another major to make it like, you know, in Tiger's top five seasons. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, I'm so, hoping yeah. he wins a major this weekend. I'll win some money. But uh Yeah, that would be something. Yeah, that would be. Um so Tiger won this in 2007 at this course. He won the PGA Championship at was it the PGA Championship or was it a different tournament played? Yeah, at it was a PGA at Southern okay. Hills. Yeah. At Southern Hills. And was this supposed to be at Bedminster? I don't know. I this I was w- reading something it was supposed to be, and then it got changed, and Jack Nicholas thinks it's cancel culture because of Trump owns bedminster again we need to really clarify what cancel culture is like trump has not been canceled he's the front runner for the republican party's nomination for president right. in 2024 <laughs> like under no circumstances was he canceled right he's just some people think he sucks and they say so right <laughs> and they feel that you should be ashamed for support and jack right. nicholas should feel shame for his trump support and and there's a lot of good reasons to feel this way there's a right. lot of very legitimate reasons to feel that way right and he's still in public life yeah he's not, he's not been canceled no. my point really of bringing that up is i really want a pga event it doesn't even have to be a major i just want a pga event somewhere in the new york metropolitan area so we could go to it Right. I have to come to Beth Page. Yeah. I love walking around in the sun having some drinks. Right. That's a perfect sporting event day. Right. And freaking Trump's got his hands all over all the big courses around here and all the other good ones are like country clubs where they're really particular about these that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's really just gotta ruin everything. Yeah, he's the yeah. worst. Right. All right. Anything else on the PGA, Brian? No, I think that was good. All right. That's good. Now, that is just part one of what we're going to refer to from here on out through this episode as the Dad's Guide to Viewing Sports. So, Brian himself, former Hollihan Trophy winner, very accomplished golfer, (laughs) he follows golf through and through. I am more of now, I'm a majors golf fan. 
Like I get invested in the majors. I like to bet on them and I like to just kind of know what's going on. I think the betting is key. It really works as an adult male in a legalized gambling world to bet on the four majors. It's really fun and it works really perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm loving that. That's great. It's like, you know, once a month for a few months a year, you get involved in that. Now, uh, we're on a, a text thread with a couple other guys. Um, and I guess I didn't even realize, I guess they're hockey fan. I guess I sort of knew, but they're hockey fans. And that someone sent a, a message to the group text about the Rangers. And you responded by saying that you had watched the series that they had won against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you thought it was really fun. And I, frankly, I was hurt. <laughs> I didn't know that you became a hockey fan without telling me. And I felt left out of the action. So our next step in the dad's guide to following sports, despite all your added responsibilities you didn't have when you were a teenager, become a playoff hockey fan. Brian, I'm officially a playoff hockey fan. Yeah, you should be. This Rangers series was super fun. Um, Mika Zabanajad is now an athlete that I know about and am invested in, and he's a wonderful forward for the New York Rangers and it was a delight watching him play. Um yeah, I mean the real conceit here, right, is like when we were younger, you were in like your 20s or even your teens is really the peak, but like you just watched so much sports and you yeah. watched everything. And like like how I can tell you about like if you were to tell me the 1997 like NCAA final championship like final game, I could probably like give you the starting lineup of both teams, you know. Right. Now it's like you know, so like the 1994 Rangers run to the cup, that was just all over it. But, you know, as you get older, you got to really, you got to pick your spots. Like you can't, you don't get, you don't get it all, you know, when you got a wife and kids. I know. I still feel like, though, it is such a mystery to me. And and it's strange that this is, I think, kind of a universal experience. You and, and a lot of the rest of our friends. I don't understand why hockey didn't stick. Yeah. Because, like, again, 94 was probably peak sports fandom. Just, like, the joy, the newness of it. So the Rangers win the cup. And my favorite video game of all time is NHL 94. Like, those two things together, I don't understand how that didn't create a bunch of lifelong hockey fans. I don't really get totally either. Like, especially because it's not like the Rangers were terrible. You know, like the Knicks have been way worse. Like, right. You still had the like Henrik Lundqvist era where I guess it was like there was a real lull there. And it, I just lost touch with it. Um, and I will say now, like I did watch quite a bit of that Rangers Penguin series and it just drew me in. You know, one, I, I like happened to catch the triple overtime like. I caught like the second and third overtime of that first game. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, and actually, you know how I, what sort of cued me. And my dad texted me that he's like, hey, I didn't know the Rangers were good. He's like, the garden is rocking. And oh. he's like, when he got into it. So then I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And I just got sucked into it. That's awesome. That's also like the best way to get into it, right? <laughs> Someone you love and respect tells you, hey, I'm watching it. Because that's sort of the domino effect, right? Is your dad said that to you. And then I saw you say that in that group text. And I'm like, Brian's watching the hockey playoffs? Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, I do feel like my kids now are six and nine or ten, seven and ten. <laughs> I know their ages, but it's, yeah. 
close enough. My daughter just turned 10. My son's about to turn seven. So it's, right. you know, anyway, uh, I'm a lot quite as dead, you know, at the end of the day and bedtimes are a little bit, you know, me and my wife can shift off and, and Joanna, my wife likes to work at night a little bit. So she's not as dying to watch something that we have to be really invested in. So like having the Ranger game on is sort of okay. Um, and playoff hockey is, you know, baseball and, um, I mean, every sport is improved in the playoffs by the, you know, the stakes, the, the raising of the stakes. But I think baseball and hockey are the two where it's just so elevated, where like in, in a regular season, it's like, it's such a, I find ba- baseball and hockey sometimes to be such frustrating games to watch, you know, like hockey, it's just like. Yes, they never can get that free ice, you know, and it's right. like th- those chant those like chances aren't that exciting, you know. But in the playoffs, every time they get near the goal, it suddenly feels like you know, and one goal, one nothing is like, oh, it's this insurmountable lead. So you're like, oh, we got to score, you know, and so yeah, that back and forth, and you know, baseball the same way, where like a one nothing baseball game in June is like kill me, right? But in the playoffs, right. you know, it's like oh, every oh now it's two and one. Oh, it's three and one. Oh my God. You know, it's like that right. elevation. God, we only it's, have a few innings left because their setup guy and closer is so good. We yes. gotta get in. Oh yeah. Right. And oh we got a guy on first base. Oh my God. This is big. You know, like it's so they're just so elevated by the raising of the stakes. Like in a way that and basketball I know is too, where a you know, ten point lead in the regular season isn't what it is in the playoff. Like it definitely is in football, obviously same thing, but not like baseball and hockey. No, absolutely. 100%. I was sort of thinking about this. Not that this would ever happen. I'm not recommending. Like, I am recommending this, but I know it would never happen. It's impossible. But I do feel like baseball and hockey would benefit a great deal from honestly just dropping the format that they use. Like, don't use a traditional format like the NBA or the NFL use, where you have a regular season and then you have a playoffs. I think baseball and hockey should adopt more of the golf tennis format where there are like these tournaments at varying points throughout the year. Like, you know, the world baseball classic sort of like, right. Like baseball and hockey tournaments that occur throughout the year that are, that, you know, very similar to like Olympics or world baseball classic or whatever. And then those tournaments would generate more juice and ultimately more interest than 80 however many games or in baseball's case 160 however many games that you play yeah that's interesting like somehow could it be like a world league i don't even know yeah like i don't know how you would do it but right right. like it's somehow it's not it yeah the the regular season so suffers compared to the postseason in those two sports yeah and they could be regional tournaments like we'd have a, a northeast tournament where it's just forget american and national league everyone in the northeast Boston, both New York teams. Right. Like the whole shebang is involved in that tournament. It was a West Coast tournament. There's like the right, Southern, right, right. you know, and then like some winners and losers from various seeds get placed in other tournaments. Like I just think to me that would be so much more interesting. Right. Than just whatever. Like we have a random team for four days and then another one for three and then another one for four. Like, right. That, I mean, it could never happen, but you're right. That would be really interesting. Like, and then you just moved on. And then you went and played the winner, the ch- the two winners of the right. Midwest, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. just kept going. Yeah, it would yeah. be fun. 
Right. So I feel like that's what they should be doing. They're not. Anyway. <laughs> right. I mean, the loss of revenue would be staggering. <laughs> so now we're coming up on on this uh, this Carolina series. So educate me a little bit. Who who on the Rangers do I care about? So who was the guy you said? Uh, Mika Zabanajad. Zabanajad. Yeah, I think I pronounced that correctly. What's his deal? So he, he's just a forward and really good in the face-off, like just like one of those sniper guys. He had like a bunch of goals, at late, especially down the stretch of the series when the Rangers came back. He was really awesome. Um, Chris Kreider is the, the, a long-tenured and the best player on the Rangers. Um, the goalie is named Igor, Igor Shesterkin, and he was, I guess, the best goalie in the NHL this year. And yeah, he's an MVP candidate. Yeah. And then, but then was really bad for the start of the, he got pulled from two straight games in the series, um, but then kind of regrouped. So that's always cool. Whenever you have a great goalie, you know, that, that gives you a chance. Yeah. Um, they got some, a few, they got like a young line, you know, that's like got a bunch of kids on it that is like up and coming. So they're a pretty fun team. And, and so now have you heard about uh, Tony D'Angelo on the Hurricanes? No, I don't know so, any other teams. You know? Okay, so Tony D'Angelo was a Ranger. Okay, and apparently he's just a raging asshole. Oh. Like he's cheap shot artist. But he's also a dick. Apparently hazes the rookies. Uh, I read. I read somewhere that he said something quote borderline racist about a team, uh, an African American teammate. Oh dear. Which I just feel like a lot of times borderline racist (laughs) the definition of borderline racist is definitely totally and fully racist and so self-aware about it that they couch the statement in just the right way so that it's not blatantly racist but you understand the racist point that the person is trying to make (laughs) right that actually they're they're so savvily racist right right, right. they understand racism so deeply and well right And this guy, Tony D'Angelo, so he was a Ranger. The Rangers basically were like, you're such a pain in the ass. He eventually got into a fight with a teammate. They were like, you're such a pain in the ass. We're just cutting you. Oh. But now he's a starting defenseman for Carolina. This guy also, when Trump got banned from Twitter after January 6th, he left Twitter and went to Parler. So this is who we're dealing with. Oh, my God. He yeah. went to Parler? To Parler. <laughs> He's like one of the five people that actually did that. <laughs> they should put like subscribe to Parlor on like your driver's license, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> that should brand that should be branded for life. Like was once on Parlor. <laughs> but so he wears seventy seven for the Hurricanes. I understand that the Hurricanes are very fast. Yeah. Very good offensively. Um and so that's what's ahead of us. I mean, that's, it'll be I, fun. It's fun. Yeah. I, you should get into it. It was really, you know, like the games were fun. You know, what's nice about hockey too in the playoffs is that when the games are more exciting, like hockey, because it doesn't have that many stoppages, you know, like it's just goes. Yeah, it grabs just, you. Yeah. They're just playing. And yeah. like, so it's, yeah. Add it back to your life. We're old. We're the right age to, yeah. to welcome hockey back into the fold. Um, yeah. Fun hockey fact and also, again, like kind of making sense with the whole playoff format. Olympic hockey, also always awesome. Always great, yeah. I remember 
the one time ever I watched TV upstairs in your uh, was it Cherry Lane? What was the house you lived in for like the most of high school? Hunt Road. Hunt. Wasn't that the place you moved to after high school? Oh, um, Rabbit Lane. I don't know the house. The house with the basement that we always hung out in. That yes, house. Yes, yes, right. Hunt Road. It was off of something else, though. You're right. It was okay. off of Cherry, I think. Yeah. But so that one time I ever watched TV upstairs with you, we wa- we were watching Olympic hockey. I don't know why we were upstairs. You didn't explain why. <laughs> Just that's where we were. It was very disorienting and weird, and I was very <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> You're like, why am I up here? Right. <laughs> I want to go to the safety, the safe confines of the basement where we belong. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, despite my discomfort, it was still, it was very engrossing watching uh, Olympic hockey up there. Hmm. So, the fun time fact. is right. The time is nigh. Yes. Time to get into the Rangers. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, our last stop on the, uh, unless you have anything else to say about the upcoming series. No, I don't no. have enough, you know, to get no, really no good opinions yet. analysis yet. Right. I have not watched enough. The Dad's Guide to Baseball. It's interesting because I feel like what you I had been doing something with the Yankees that you actually just spelled out in, in you know, perfectly. But just you catch again, you know, my daughter just turned seven. She's at like a fine age now. I can have the first inning or two of the Yankee game just on without it being a big deal. And then that's when all like the, the peak of the evening bedtime and all that other stuff goes on. And then, you know, depending on am I wife as my wife and I going to watch a show or how long does it take my daughter to go to sleep? You know, the seventh inning is ambitious, but sometimes you can get the eighth and you can usually get the ninth in there at some point, especially too, if my wife falls asleep while watching something on TV, which happens constantly. Yeah, it's great. Regular season baseball is not meant to be consumed in mass quantities if right. you're a family man. Right. I'm not going to sit there and make my wife, who doesn't like sports, watch an entire baseball game. You know? <laughs> like yeah. That's just not fair. But you watch the first two innings. You get a little sense of the pitching matchup. You see the starter. Maybe you see Jacob deGrom. You can figure out if he's dealing or not. And then, yeah, you come back in in the eighth or the ninth. <coughs> maybe you've watched a couple of shows satiated your partner and now you see if they win or not and, yeah. and now maybe there's a no hitter or something interesting is happening you can get you can make sure you don't miss that the exciting moment but that's the right way to watch regular season baseball as a grown man yeah i i totally agree and it's it's necessary now because the mets and the yankees the, the yankees are currently the best team in all of baseball yeah They've had, this is the, I think I heard Mike Francesa say this is the ninth time they've started the season this successfully. And eight of those times they won the World Series. And the ninth time was the year, I think, 03 when they lost to the Marlins in the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. You know, I like, on some level, I like do empathize with Yankee fans who have been whining the last few years because it's like pretty annoying to have Hal there, who's this like panty waist version of his father (laughs) and not spending money. And clearly, like, using the luxury tax as a salary cap for no good reason. On the other hand, you are like, yeah, it's like, they got off to, like, a 5-5 five and five start this year. And, like, the whining was so out of control, you know? know? And then they went on just a crazy winning streak and are the best team in the in baseball. And, like, 
have not had a losing record in like our lifetimes. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, enough of the complaining. It's pretty good to be a Yankees fan. I know, absolutely. Like other Yankee fans are is what makes it hard to be a Yankee fan. Yeah. I will say, and I don't, no judgment. I know that the Mets had a pretty miraculous comeback the other, like a week ago, right? Where they were down seven nothing or something to the Phillies, and they came back and won. Yeah, is that about right? Mm-hmm. Lot of Mets t-shirts at work the next day. <laughs> Lot of Mets, like guys were Clark Kenton it, right? You know, they're buttoned up and it's just popped open with the Mets logo right underneath, and and it was funny because. I had thought, you know, I had lived in Ohio for six years, and obviously we're talking about earlier in our century. You know, I lived in Ohio until 2005, I think, is when I moved. So from fall of 99 to summer of 2005, I had lived in Ohio. Come back to New York, been out of there for a while. You start to see, like, oh, man, I forgot what, a like, a baseball town this is. Just everybody is just consumed with it in the summer. Yeah. And I really felt like that had waned for a while. And I was wondering, is it just baseball losing popularity? Am I just not in a yeah. place in my life where I'm noticing it quite as much? Like, I don't really know. And I felt like my questions were answered after that Mets comeback. There had been a noticeable dip right. in New York baseball gear being worn by the general public. And that, for whatever reason, that Mets comeback was the tipping point. It was people were just like, break out the Mets gear. We're, yeah, back. we're back. It was something about that game that the Mets were like, okay, this is a different thing. Also, the Mets are like way out in front now um, in their division. So they're yeah. off to such a good start. I will say this, you know, having a criminal scumbag owner <laughs> is not always the best. It is nice to see the Mets function as a big market team. And also see the Mets owned by somebody who likes the Mets. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> who is a Mets fan. Like, he's brought Keith Hernandez back in the fold. And, like, they're retiring Keith Hernandez's jersey. Like, he knows my the fans love Keith Hernandez. Like, right. he was, like, barred from the grounds. Like, what sense did that make? Yeah. You know, to have this guy beloved who's on the broadcast and you're, like, keep him at arm's length. And there's a statue now of Tom Seaver. Like, Somebody who's like, right, we have players that matter to us and that are important. Like, we don't need, you know, no disrespect to the great Jackie Robinson, you know, but he didn't. He just was never a Met. He just (laughs) didn't play for us. And so it just doesn't make any sense. And for us to walk into this ballpark, that's a replica of Ebbets Field where we did not play. And everything (laughs) is like black and orange, which are not our colors. And, you know, it just was, it's always been really off. So it is nice to have somebody who's like, Yes, I like the Mets, and we're all, this is the Mets. Right, and it's probably not good for baseball to have more criminals in the mix, but, like, it's good for baseball to have owners that like baseball. Not just the particular team they own, but the sport, period. Yeah, right, who are excited about it. It does not seem like most of the owners feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. Insider trading is bad, I guess, and, <laughs> but or maybe not. I guess it's fine if you do it well enough. It's okay, but uh, it's it is good to see the Mets. That they've, they've been fun. Yeah, we're po- uh, both teams are poised to become the toast of the town. Yeah, maybe we'll talk more about again. baseball as we go. Maybe we'll. I'll try to, you know, pay attention. We'll yeah, give we the should. People what they want. Yeah. yeah, I think we're both of us are watching pretty much the exact amount of our teams. Yeah. So 
you know, we can call together 13 minutes or so a week on that. <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you for the lottery tonight? I don't know. Can we win it? Can't they just, just give it to us? Like, right. Not, like, God, put the Knicks and just throw, like, it's good for business. Get us, like, figure it out. Like, just cold envelope, whatever. Like, get the Knicks the number one pick tonight. I, I agree. And it's also, forget even the cold, cold envelope. Here's what I want to say to the NBA and Adam Silver. Don't even work that hard. Forget the cold envelope. Just be like, we're giving the number one pick to the Knicks. Just because we are. Right. It's because good they, for business. Right. right. It's just, that's what we're doing. Do something about it. Right. You know? Like, that's it. This can't go on anymore. They need it. Right. So we're giving it to them. <laughs> I saw Julius Randle trending on Twitter today, and my heart fluttered a bit. Uh, but I, I then, I don't, I still haven't figured it out. I really don't uh, even know. Just some Julius Randle. People were just angry at Julius Randle or something. I think it's like, if we if we get a good pick... Do we package it with Randall just to get him out of town? I think that was what a lot of the tweets tweets were. If we get a good pick, we, right. I mean, if we had like a top pick, I mean, and, I, and we're giving Julius Randall, like, I want we got to get something good, right? Right. Also, don't be insane. If we get a good pick, use the pick. Right, and then just get rid of Randall. Figure out how to get rid of Randall. Yeah, just get rid of him. Or Randall has to return next year, publicly apologize, and. There needs to be like a some. There needs to be some kind of Julius Randall. Like if he's gonna be on the team next year, like with some kind of, you know, show yes, of remorse. I mean, yeah. Right. You can't show up and be like, I don't know what the problem was. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like right. For starters, you. Right. You need to be in some kind of new physical condition, or have added something. Something. Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right, Brian, with our uh, technical difficulties, I think this is uh, pretty much our time. But it's great to be back. We got exciting things going on. And uh, hopefully next week we're, uh, we're, we're a little richer from the PGA Championship. And we are uh, a little happier because we have a new sport in our lives. Hockey has, has given us another round, we hope. Right. And hopefully the number one pick in our pockets. Yes. Oh, wow. What an exciting week. All right, Brian. Good to see you. All right.